Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 162 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Ephesians chapter 4 today, and our focus is on anger danger, the danger and destructiveness of anger. So, skipping all the beginning parts, let me just remind you and ask you to check out our website for questions and to check out show notes and to send us comments or whatever. It's Bible2021.com. Do you ever have a situation when all of a sudden a Bible truth just becomes more real or obvious to you? So I've read James chapter 1 many times in my life. In fact, uh, one time when I was in college or right after college, I think I read it like 10 times in a row. But of all the times I've read that chapter, it honestly wasn't until a few years ago that a friend named Paula quoted the verse and explained a brief part of it, and it was like an epiphany for me. I had my eyes open to a deep Bible truth that previously to that, I had either missed it or ignored it. And the passage I'm talking about is James 1.19, which says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger, for man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. So, man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So, do you hear that, parents? Do you hear that, spouses? Do you hear that, friends and bosses? We tend to think that our anger can bring change and transformation, but the Word of God completely and utterly disagrees. Anger might change behavior, but only because people are scared or intimidated. Anger does not bring about maturity. It does not bring about real and lasting change. It doesn't change somebody into a better person when they're the object of your anger. Today's passage in Ephesians is going to strongly warn us against anger. And before we read it, let me caution you about something that you need to know. Anger does not always look like anger. Anger isn't always loud. I don't have, personally, what most people would call a bad temper. I don't holler and yell and shout and pound my fist and throw things around a whole lot. I tend to keep it together and talk in cool and even tones. Now, if I'm being honest, I used to think that made me pretty cool under pressure and quite mature, but honestly, I was self-deceived. When I'm angry, I don't get loud and red in the face and veins pop out on my neck. Instead, I go silent and broody and sulky. I do get angry, but I try to pretty it up quite a bit by letting it be that kind of brooding and quiet anger instead of explosive anger. Look, anger doesn't have to be shouting and hollering and banging things around. My anger is usually very, very quiet. In fact, the quieter I am, maybe the madder I am. Now, I used to get mad when I would get in trouble about this with my wife or dear friends who knew me very well because they could see it in my eyes and on my face. They knew me so well, they could look into my soul and see that anger and they would call me on it. And I would always think, this isn't fair. I'm acting fine. I didn't holler or shout or swear or give the finger or anything, but they discerned my heart. I was proud of myself for what I thought was self-restraint, but the fact of the matter is I had anger in me and the Bible is going to warn us today against anger. Anger is not justifiable. 
My anger is not justifiable, and being broody about it or quiet or whatever and seething below the surface is not righteous anger or sinless anger. I've learned that I tend to withhold myself from people when I'm angry with them. Uh, Maybe you do the same thing. Fact is, we all handle anger in different ways, and most all of those ways are not the Jesus way. However, anger, whether it is loud and obvious or quiet and seething, as a reminder, does not accomplish God's righteousness, and it hurts people. So let's read our passage and see just how many times Paul is going to challenge us on anger and call us to a different way of behaving. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, for it says, "He, When he ascended on a high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people." But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness." Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So yes, it is conceivable, says Paul, to be angry and not sin. We see several examples of Jesus being angry and not sinning. There is a kind of righteous anger 
But if we're honest with each other, we rarely are righteously angry. When we are, we should handle it according to the way the Bible teaches us to. But what I want to talk about today is the other kind of anger, which is usually the kind of anger that comes when uh, somebody's hurt us or slighted us or insulted us or whatever. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say. Matthew 5, 21 You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come offer your gift. Jesus is here comparing anger and insults to murder. What? What's going on there? Here's the thing. The hatred and the anger that motivates you or me to call somebody else a fool or moron or an idiot or whatever in anger comes from the same place and is the same kind of motivation that causes somebody to murder somebody else. The heart attitude is exactly the same, not according to me, according to Jesus. So I watched a video of a preacher preaching a few weeks ago, and it struck me how angry he looked as he was preaching. He's been a preacher for over 40 years, no need to call his name or anything like that, but he was preaching a sermon about people who had been hurt by other church people, and he said this quote, and I'm not going to say it the way he said it, he said it in a very mocking tone, but he said this, he said, it's all about your feelings hurt. Well, you say they hurt my daughter, they hurt my son, they hurt my wife, they hurt my husband. I'm so hurt. I don't know if I can go on. So he's quoting somebody when he says that. And then he says, then just die, you crazy idiot. And I watched that video a few times and it made me angry just to see his anger. But then I remembered as I was probably sitting there and judging him for being so harsh and calling people names, I began to think, How many times have I called people a fool or an idiot or something similar? I sometimes get passionate watching football games, and I'm sure I've called the refs or the players on the other team names. So what? We've probably all done that, right? Except, here's the so what. Jesus says, whoever says you fool, or I think other things than you fool, will be subject to hellfire. In other words, when we call people names and insult them and treat them that way, we're in danger of hellfire. Hellfire? Now, Jesus, you're kidding, right? You're not serious. You really expect us in an age of social media not to fire back on people who deserve it and call out, you know, whoever. Think about your least favorite group. Maybe it's Democrats. Maybe it's Republicans, liberals, conservatives, Raiders fans, Auburn fans, Alabama fans, 49ers fans, Apple users, Android users, whatever, other drivers. Jesus, you really expect us not to call people names and not to get angry with them? What? What are you talking about? How's this for an answer from Jesus? Matthew 26, 67. They spat on his face and they beat him. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who was it that hit you? How did Jesus, the King of Kings, respond to this sort of horrific treatment? What did Jesus do? Nothing. This is how Jesus lived his life, how our master taught us to live and how he modeled for us to live, how he dealt with anger. This is the Jesus way. If we follow him, we follow that way. 2 Peter 2.23 tells us when Jesus was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. So friends, let us remember the example of our master, Let us remember what Paul says. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from us. 
along with all malice, and may we be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just like God forgave us in Christ. Well, let's close with Daniel 6.23, our Bible verse of the month of June. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.